today a guest show from producer Alexis Hart. Alexis is a singer, songwriter, and composer, and filmmaker, and now a radio maker. He's a kind of media renaissance man. He sent me this story, and I loved it, and now I'm sharing it with you. Welcome. This is the story of the ultimate practical joke played by one musician upon another and how I fell for it. You could call it a friendly ghost story or a musical tragic comedy. But whatever you decide to call it, all I know is that it's a true story. By November, it was pretty clear that Herschel's cancer was terminal even if he refused to accept it. Last time I talked to him on the phone a few weeks before, he told me he was going to kick this damn thing. But I think he was putting on a brave face for my mother-in-law, Yerd, who had lost her previous husband to cancer only five years earlier. I think he was trying to live long enough so she wouldn't have to go through that again with him. Before he got sick, Herschel and Yard would visit us a few times a year, and while mother and daughter would disappear after dinner to catch up, he and I would stay put at the table, a bottle of something to share, reveling in the randomness of being attached to the same mother and daughter team, and we got to know each other pretty well during those visits. And as his condition worsened, I thought about him often. But that said, He was not on my mind that chilly Sunday afternoon I snuck off for what I thought might be the last bike ride of the year before the rains came. Maybe it's the rhythm of pedaling or the constantly changing scenery, but I often get song ideas when I ride. Usually, though, it's just a little snippet of a lyric or wisp of a melody. But this one came in pretty fully baked. Here's what I recall. I'm sweating up this really steep hill when out of nowhere, this voice just barges into my head. I wanna be a bonobo. The singer was this odd combination of Jim Carrey and Elmer Fudd, but there was something about how that melody fit the lyric that clicked. I wanna be a bonobo. That syncopated low dip up into the crooned octave on the final syllable. It was an earworm and it wouldn't leave me alone. So there I am, and I'm pedaling along in rhythm, and I'm repeating the line in my head, but now I'm pretty sure I'm singing it out loud. And I could already start to hear what the music would sound like underneath it. And then in comes this second line with this little counter melody. I can see it all. I'm up there with the bonobos swinging in the trees. The street is gone, and I'm in this... Kind of weird Hanna Barbera land with my tongue lolling out of my head. Let me ask you something. Shyest person at the wake, nervous, stands up with their hat in their hands, tells some impromptu story that bottles and corks the dead man's essence into a few brief, perfectly chosen words. Lays everybody low. Where does that come from? I've never heard that much swearing from a Prius driver, but totally deserved it. So I pulled over to the curb. I get my phone out. 
to try and record some memory, some vestige of the parade that had just marched through my head. I, wanna be a bone, a bone. I also do this pretty often on bike rides. I've got hundreds of these memos on my phone with titles like 72 Steep Ravine Court. So at this point, the sky is getting overcast and the wind is picking up. Vowing to keep my head out of the trees and on the road where it belongs, I rode off, but I was still humming that tune. And I thought to myself, where does a song like that come from? For nearly 30 years, Herschel Byron Snodgrass earned his living teaching at Lewis and Clark College in Portland. And yep, that's his real name. You can look him up if you don't believe this is a true story. But Professor of Astrophysics sums up a man like Herschel about as well as avian carnivore sums up a snowy owl. He was a collector of lifelong friends, a poet and an activist who had backed up his words with jail time as a student leader in Berkeley during the 60s. Before the bike accident that nearly severed his foot, he was an avid rock and mountain climber, which was not an easy thing for him to give up. Nor was the BMW motorcycle that carried him on all those adventures. But Herschel's greatest love was music. Lewis and Clark professors don't make a ton of money, but he had his priorities straight. He was the proud owner of not one, but two Steinway grand pianos. He had studied with some of the great teachers of his day. He loved to tell me about the time he met Andre Watts or Murray Pariah. I'm guessing his Desert Island music would have been Chopin, Schubert, Shostakovich, and all their interpreters, but Herschel was no classical purist. Genre had no place in his world. Either music worked or it didn't. For a classically trained player, he had this incredible knowledge of 60s folk and rock. Music of his youth. One of those times we were sitting around the table after dinner, he told me this story about meeting a young singer-songwriter at an open mic in Greenwich Village sometime in the early 60s. Songwriter finishes this beautiful short set. Young Herschel is smitten. He works up the courage to go compliment her, and she invites him to sit down. After this four-hour-long electric eyes-lock conversation covering art and music and politics, Herschel gets up the nerve to ask in his always gentlemanly way whether she might consider going out with him sometime. But she told him she was totally obsessed with this guy named Bob. And that's how Joan Baez disappeared out of Herschel's life as quickly as she'd entered it. I knew it was one of his favorite stories because the last time I saw him in person, when the pain meds were already on board, he told it to me every day. A little further up the road, this B part pops into my head. 
It was a strange and funny little song, but I liked it. And I thought to myself, I should really finish this one. But I say that a lot for song ideas with titles like 7543 Redwood Heights. But the truth is, I rarely ever finish them. And when I do, it takes me months of fits and starts. But this weird little Bonobo song basically wrote and recorded itself. I like researching my topics, so I spent the first part of Monday reading all about Bonobos. How they resolve their conflicts within the group and with outsiders. How they differ from chimpanzees. Did you know that from a genetic standpoint, Bonobos are more similar to humans than they are to gorillas? We share 98% of our DNA with them. Research is always the best part of songwriting, and it's where I usually get stuck. But this song wasn't rocket science. It wasn't even primatology, for that matter. It wanted to be a fun, little body, bluesy folk tune. So I finished writing the lyrics and music later that day. And on Tuesday, I recorded this little acoustic version in my studio, and I called it done. Concept to recording in two days. It's probably a record for me. But that said, I had this strange feeling about the song, like somehow it wasn't entirely mine. Later that evening, just before bedtime, Anna got this quietly panicked call from her mom. She said he had been in this kind of morphine haze since Sunday. Try as she might, Yared couldn't detect Herschel's breathing. And was his pulse maybe slowing? Sitting by his side, she recalled telling him about the places they had been and the things they had done during their short time together. He'd have squeezed her hand back in recognition and in thanks. And as he receded, I wonder if he finally understood that he was not coming back to his pianos or the mountains to his telescopes and equations, to his kids or friends, or to her. The next day, I went for another bike ride, and I shed some tears into the cold November air. What a gift to know a man like that. Truth is, I had only known Herschel for about four years. Our longer after-dinner conversations might have numbered a dozen, if that. But I had that birds-of-a-feather feeling about him. Though I'm guessing a lot of his friends might have felt that way. I didn't write the Bonobo song for him, or about him. I wasn't even thinking about him when I wrote it. But I decided right then to dedicate it to him. For one thing, he wouldn't have wanted anything too serious or grandiose when it came to a dedication. At least not from me. He would have gotten a chuckle at the notion of a man wanting to join Bonobos for their radical matriarchy and peace-loving ways, only to find he couldn't keep up with their amorous pace and has to leave. I also kept returning to the synchronicity of events. How I suddenly came up with the idea while he was sinking into this morphine sleep. And how I finished recording it just as he was shedding his mortal coil. 
Anna and I always thought there was something a bit simian about Herschel as he got into his 80s. Smiling round head and big ears. That sense of gentleness. Allowing great strength. And no small amount of mischief. So for what I thought were many good reasons, the song title became I Want to Be a Bonobo. Herschel's song. And then it hit me. What if I'd been had? What if I wasn't dedicating it to him at all? What if I wasn't even the songwriter? Someone else had been at the controls over those last two days. What if he wrote the song through me and was dedicating it to himself? A little parting wink. Just the kind of amusing but technically challenging practical joke I would expect from a man like Herschel, who was equal parts astrophysicist and musician, logician and dreamer. If he did it to me, what's to say he didn't do it to his older, closer friends as well? Hedges bets, so to speak. You see, I always assumed it was the overcome speaker giving the eulogy. But what if it worked the other way around? What if, to prolong their place at that table, the dying scramble to enter the living, turn us into unwitting mouthpieces through songs and elegies, paintings and sculptures? Besides being a kind of Hail Mary pass at immortality, think about Eleanor Rigby for a second. The dying might do it just to say a proper goodbye, to settle a score, set some kind of record straight, or in Herschel's case, just to play a good practical joke on his friends. But looking back, I think the Bonobo song was ultimately a co-write between the two of us. Like I said, we were birds of a feather. Swing on, Herschel. Swing on. That was Alexis Hart. Alexis is the co-founder and creative director of Pollen Music Group. For more information about Alexis, visit my website, rumblestripvermont.com, and leave him a comment. I am sure he'd love to hear from you. Just go to the show page, and you'll find a comment box at the bottom. This is Rumble Strip. I'm Erica Heilman. Thanks a lot for listening. I wanna be a bonobo. I wanna swing from tree to tree. They say the women run the show. That sounds smart to me. I wanna come back as a bonobo. But that take too long I decided I would go Down the South Congo Oh no Anybody here that knows me You got to raise your right hand When they ask you what it should be oh, Don't you say chimpanzee Oh no He's a boy They made me one of their own I learned to 
fancy new handshake In that way I said hello Every single bone of bone Oh no Here we go next bone of bone Anybody here that knows me Well you got to give me my promise I never like these ugly clothes It's a piece of love and bone of bones Say hello.